Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. We'd like to welcome everybody back to the Football's Family Podcast. And today I'm going to look at just a few things that I want to share because there's some things that happened last couple of days leading up to the Super Bowl. They're just absolutely neat. One of those is the NFL honors, which happened. This is, I'm recording this on a Friday. It happened yesterday, February 8th. And I, I didn't watch it, but I, I kept getting updates about them. And I agreed with them. Of course, they didn't ask my opinion, but I agreed with them. The other is the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductees. And that was, of course, yesterday. I don't know, because I'm not in that situation, obviously, but I don't know what would be more powerful for a person who has played 15 years in the NFL. <clears throat> Being put in the NFL Hall of Fame, like a Dan Marino, or winning a Super Bowl, like a Joe Montana several times over. Tom Brady, we all know, will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. We get that. But if you were to ask Dan Marino, and, and maybe I have not, maybe I haven't seen the interviews about this, but if you were to ask any of those guys who've never won a Super Bowl, but have been brought into the, put into Hall of Fame by voting, what would their answer be? And we had a couple in this particular uh, class, a few in this particular class that never did win a Super Bowl. Andre Johnson, that guy was an amazing thing. He, he was an amazing guy. He played his life, I mean, his, his life out. He was just awesome. 1,062 receptions for 14,185 yards and 70 touchdowns. This is one of those guys that in the Titans had him, and I remember him, it wasn't great with the Titans, but with the Texans, good gracious, how many times did Andre Johnson burn defenders over his 14-year uh, career? It's just, like I said, it was just one of those things when you looked at him, you realized that there are guys out there that will work harder than you, that are better than you in a lot of ways and work harder with you to stay there, and Andre Johnson was one of them. Devin Hester. Now, some people have viewed and wonder how could a primary kick returner who actually started as a defensive back and then went to wide receiver and then a kick returner, how could he be in the Hall of Fame? Now, keep in mind, why don't you keep in mind that Gail Sayers and Terrell Davis are both in the Hall of Fame. They had a short career, but during their career, they had an amazing run about three or four years of just impressive numbers, and that really put them over. They were the best during that time or one of the best during that time. And I think that's a big deal. You can play a long career. Are you going to put Frank Gore in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Maybe. He played an impressive number of years and did impressive numbers. Or are you going to look at somebody who had a shorter career but did more with his time? 
Devin Hester uh, was an, a was a great player. He was one of those guys that uh, I looked at and just thought, man, I want him on my Madden team, and I and I found ways to do it. And guess what? He didn't fail uh, to perform on Madden, even though I'm not that good at it. Listen to this. He finished his career with 19 returns for touchdowns. He led the NFL in punt return yardage twice and kick return yardage twice. Now, are you going to look in 2006, by the way, he amassed six special teams touchdowns. Now, are you going to think, well, this is a, he only played one part of the, the ball and he really did he wasn't that great of a receiver but they didn't really ask him for that his job was to flip the field and he did that 19 times are you going to look and say well he didn't play defense or offense he should be considered are you going to look at the fact he scored 19 touchdowns off of special teams and think man that is an amazing guy and other people came into to to view as well looking at the list right now julius peppers one of the best defensive uh, linemen that I've ever seen. He had speed. He had power. Carolina got a good pickup with him when they drafted him. And I remember, and then he went over to Green Bay as well, but I remember when he came out and started playing for the Panthers. And I thought, this guy's going to be good. I didn't quite realize just how good he was. And keep going down the list, Dwight Freeney, who who played for the Colts, he was one of those guys as well that you had to – planned for and you had to make sure that you had him uh you had him figured out with your blocking scheme listen to this he was a seven-time pro bowler a three-time first all pro and played 16 years in one year he had 16 sacks and he won a super bowl in 2006 as well against those uh against those bears this is a guy that I really enjoyed watching, even though he played against my Titans a lot. I enjoyed him because you could see just how, if you have talent, you have drive, you had ability, you could put it all together for a Hall of Fame career. Very similar to what I think uh, Miles Garrett could do or J.J. Watt will do. He had a great career. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer as well. And even his brother, I think T.J. could be a Hall of Famer as well. But Dwight Freeney is one of those guys that that made it. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis was it was a guy that I hated to see retire because he was a genuinely good guy, but he was also one of the best uh, linebackers that I've ever seen. Would I put him up there with Lawrence Taylor or somebody like that or, or Dick Buck? Is probably not, but one uh, A is Patrick Willis. He didn't play long. He played seven seasons, seven seasons. But I want you to listen to this. During that time, he made seven Pro Bowls. Earned five first-team All-Pro section selections and was a member of the 2010 Hall of Fame, despite playing only uh, Hall of Fame team despite playing only four full seasons in that decade. In 2007, he won the Rookie of the Year after amassing, get this, 174 tackles. He was a tackling machine. He was he was a guy that. Uh, kept the middle or the sides wherever he was lined up, kept that on lockdown. You weren't getting around Patrick Willis. Again, a short period of time, but he was also one of those guys that that you can look at and say, hey, this is a guy that everyone wanted on my team. 
very similar to a Luke Kinkley or somebody like that. Um, I, most of these guys I've been able to watch, but the, this guy right here, Randy, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce his name and I apologize for this, Grandishar. Uh, I'm not familiar with him. I started paying attention to football for the Broncos in 1986-87 time frame. He was out of the league by then, but I'm looking at his numbers. He was a seven-time Pro Bowler and a first two-time first-team All-Pro. He was defensive player of the year in 1978. Uh, he never missed a game over that decade that he played and was a full-time starter for the final nine years. He is credited with 2,049 tackles, or roughly 205 per season. Good gracious. And this is the Orange Crush defense of the 70s, which they did go to a Super Bowl. And then later on, that led to what you find with Dan Reeves and John Elway. That kind of carried over. It skipped a couple of years, but when Elway started to come into his own, the defense started to rebound a little bit. It was Elway's team, but the defense did their job. But I remember watching the NFL films about the Orange Crush, and I don't know I, – I can't remember if I actually paid attention to the people in there. I just loved the orange uniforms and the blue helmets that the Broncos had during this time. And the idea of an Orange Crush always reminded me of that drink. I'm like, man, I don't like Orange Crush, but, boy, I love the defense. So that's that's the thing about this. 1985, I don't remember this, but I've watched – the videos I watched about Buddy Ryan and Mike Dicka and about the Super Bowl shuffle, which is, again, one of those things that should stay in the 80s. Do not re redo that, please. It is an abomination, but it's also a classic NFL thing. Steve McMichael is one of those guys that came about during this time. And what happens, uh, what happened, is, it, and this is funny, do you owe it? the defense of the four, six defense that buddy Ryan instituted, or do you say that Mike Dicka did this uh, looking at that team in 1985, the bears were dysfunctional. Their offense, their defense didn't like each other. And if you notice at the end of the super bowl against the Patriots, buddy Ryan and Mike Dicka are carted off the field on the shoulders of their players. You don't see that. Of course, you don't really see that much anymore in that sense. You get a Gatorade bath, but getting Buddy Ryan up, it took some effort. And I, I saw the guys nearly fall. Uh, getting Mike Dicka up took some effort too, because those are two big guys. They're large guys. But they wanted to put them up there because they both groups owed their success to those two men. Steve McMichael is one of those guys as well. Listen to this. That year, that year the, the Bears went 15 and 1. Now, I remember that. I remember hearing about that, I should say. The only loss they had was against the Miami Dolphins, who kept the Bears from finishing a perfect season. And it just so, oh, look, the Dolphins did that. Uh, the Bears pretty much dominated the rest of that, that playoff time. In fact, they said it scored, they scored 91 points to 10 in route to the Super Bowl 20 victory. Uh, McMichael had a streak of 110, 101 games started. He also never missed a game from 1982 to 1994. Uh, he finished his career with 847 tackles and 95 sacks, which is incredibly high, and that's awesome. That is just awesome to think that somebody finished with uh, 95 sacks. And you got to go on down the list, and there, there's a couple more. Let me let me pull this up here. There's a couple more that you can look at. Uh, 
that that you can look at and just say, man, these are these are amazing players that that could have been in the Hall of Fame and that probably will one day. And it's funny, I just got a I just got a text about this in 2025, the first time eligible players. And again, these are guys that many of you may know from uh, just just the names alone. Who do you think will be in the Hall of Fame from this group? Eli Manning. Uh, and I'm not going to go into depth on these on a lot of these, but Eli Manning is one of the most controversial guys that come up here. He had the same number of wins to losses. They did win two Super Bowls. He threw for a lot of interceptions. Of course, Brett Favre did too. But he was a winner and had a long starting uh, long career starting for the Giants until their coach set him down, which I thought was awful. Which I thought was awful. Is Eli Manning a guy? That could be in it. Luke Keekley is in this number. I think Luke Keekley needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Adam Vinatieri will be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe not the first time, but he is probably the most clutch kicker of all time. Is he the best kicker of all time? I don't think so. I think uh, Tucker is uh, from Baltimore is really showing that he is probably the most pure and probably the best kicker of our generation especially. But Adam Vinatieri won games. And if you think about it, you don't necessarily have to be the greatest kicker in the sense of legs, but accuracy and clutchness does come into play. Uh, you look Terrell Suggs and Marsh, uh, Marshall Yonda, Marshawn Lynch. Would Do you put Marshall, uh, Marshall Yonda? I would put in there. Terrell Suggs, I might not put in there the first round, but he'll be in there. Would you put Marshawn Lynch in it? Did he have a career that is highlighted by a long-term success rate? I think he has. Uh, and of course, you can look back, and probably the biggest play that he did was the uh, was the beastquake. But I remember when he got drafted by the Bills, and they traded him off. I thought, "What are you doing? That's your guy right there." And I think that the guy that they kept was Fred Jackson. It's like, "Well, Fred's good, but he's not Marshawn." Earl Thomas will be in. Earl Thomas with the Legion of, of Boom. He would. He will be in. I don't know first round, but again, he'll be in. Joe Staley was a very, very good offensive line. Demarius Thomas, Akib Tlaib, Vernon Davis, I liked him. You know, people made fun of him because he cried a lot. But that guy was emotional. He was a good tight end. Darren Sproles, I don't know. Cameron Wake. Cameron Wake was the most – in my. what I remember about him is that he was very underutilized there for the Dolphins. But, man, was he a good defensive player. So we're going to see. Who would you put in the Hall of Fame out of those 2025? And are those are there any people from the 2024 class that you think deserved it more than the ones who made it in? Uh, send me a message at Jeremy underscore McFarland for the Football's Family Twitter page or go on the F Football's Family Facebook page and, and send me a message. And if you want to come on the show, just let me know and we'll get you on. We'll talk football. We'll talk whatever you want to. But one of the things that I enjoy about the NFL recently, and I say recently, this has just been a few years, that they start to do the NFL honors, like the MVP and stuff, right before the Super Bowl. So you have this buildup. You have the guys already in the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. You have the teams in there. Now, who deserves the awards for the year? And I'm looking at the award winners, and I really – there's only one that I disagree with, but not by much. MVP, Lamar Jackson. 
LeVar Jackson is the MVP of this year. Do not think about what he did during the playoffs as proof that he didn't deserve it. Lamar Jackson is a beast. He is a monster. He is an amazing guy, an amazing player. I like Lamar Jackson a lot. Not happy he's with the Ravens because they play against the Titans several times. But Lamar Jackson, if you had a, a drive in a game, would you put him in? Probably. Because – and I think in the playoffs they should have let him run a little bit more. They could have beat, they could have beat the Chiefs if they did that. Offensive player of the year. There, this is where I kind of disagree in a way. Lamar Jackson was the MVP. I get that. But a few years ago, Derrick Henry from my Titans, King Henry himself had over 2,000 yards rushing and still was not the MVP. This is a quarterback-driven league, so they're going to win the MVP. Offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. Listen to this stat. He led the NFL in scrimmage yards, scrimmage touchdowns, rushing yards, first downs, and 10-plus yards running, and he missed one game. He has a Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro, and his name was added to other to record books. He was insane. Was he Lamar Jackson good? No. Both of these guys are essential for the progression of their team, so I'm not going to say one's more important than the other. Does Brock Purdy, can Brock Purdy carry the 49ers without Christian McCaffrey? Probably not. Do the do the Ravens uh, win without Lamar Jackson? Uh, probably with their defense, but Lamar really adds another level of difficulty to that team. Christian McCaffrey, by by, with no doubt, deserves Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year is another, to me, no-brainer. Miles Garrett, you remember he was drafted first overall? People think, why in the world would you draft him first overall? He is a guy that you cannot game plan against. He's very similar to what Aaron Donald was a few years ago. But even now, really, Aaron Donald is, a, is an amazing player. J.J. Watt, you have to keep an eye on him. J.J. back in the day, you had to keep an eye on him. Uh, you got to go on with Ray Lewis. You don't want to go over the middle with him. Miles Garrett is and really back in the back in the day. You have Mike Singletary. You have Lawrence Taylor. These are the same kind of guys. Give, go back in the 60s, you have Dick Buckus, Ray Nitschke. These are the same kind of guys that Miles Garrett proved that he was this year. I don't know. Is Miles Garrett a, a Hall of Famer? If he has a few more years like this, yes, he is. But he had an amazing, amazing team and an amazing year. And to me, the Browns defense, Joe Flacco did did awesome the last few years, but the Brown or last few games, but the Browns defense really gave them the opportunity to not only be in the playoffs, but win games. I kind of anticipated them going further than what they did, but the Texans would not let them win that game. It's just That's just how that is, and we're going to get to them in just a second. Miles Garrett deserved Defensive Player of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year. Offensive Rookie Player of the Year. Is there any doubt that it was going to be C.J. Stroud? Is there any doubt? This kid, the Panthers are kicking themselves for not drafting him. Would the Panthers – would C.J. Stroud be as good with the Panthers as he was with the Texans? Probably not. The Panthers are dysfunctional and just not that good. 
But we also thought that about the Texans until this young man came in there and said, just, just, I got this. Knowing that interceptions were low, the passing touchdowns were high, but the leadership aspect that he, that he gave, you put him, you couple him with another rookie and then a rookie head coach. And I'm not looking forward to this. The Titans have to play him twice a year. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. But I think Texas, Houston people, you have a beast of a quarterback. You have a guy. Not only is he an example about what a man should be, a very humble kid, but you've got your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. Get you an offensive line to protect him, or you'll have a Bryce Young situation where I think Bryce got tackled or sacked 62 times this year. Protect him and see what happens and see how many times you make it to the playoffs. Defensive rookie of the year. Just so happens to be part of the Texans as well. I remember watching the draft every year, watch the draft to go to my parents' house to get pizza or something from Buffalo Wild Wings. And Buffalo Wild Wings, if you want to sponsor the show, just go right ahead. And we sit down and watch the draft. And the first pick was Bryce Young. We get that second pick was CJ Stroud. And I thought, well, the third pick won't be. Holy cow, the Texans just traded up for that. And they got Will Anderson Jr. Will turned out to be one of the guys that made a huge difference for the Texans. Their defense was suspect, and we, we know that. They went from a pretty bad team to turn out to be a really good team. And part of that was D'Amico Ryans. I get that. But part of it is that you added a younger core that was confident and uh, their ability matched their confidence to the point that they were able to win games and go further than they thought. They you know, Texans, you, you should feel happy that my Titans beat the Jaguars the last game. But in order for you to win the South, Houston fans, you had to beat the Colts, which the Colts were pretty decent this year. You went up against teams that, were really good and you won games. Now going up against the Ravens, it's it 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 was really the Ravens year, and them losing to the Chiefs uh, surprised me. But Will Anderson Jr., you got two home runs back to back, and that doesn't happen in the NFL. You know, Gail Sayers and Dick Buckus was drafted in the same draft. You, it doesn't happen in the NFL, especially in the first round. But you listen to this. This is from the ESPN.com NFL story. He was still the top in advanced metrics. Listen to this. The third pick ranked third in, pro in pass rush win rate. He also impacted the game as the as sixth in stop, run stop win rate. I'm trying to figure out what all that is. It just tells me that he dominated the line of scrimmage and that he stopped the run and he was able to beat offensive lineman a fourth of the time to get to the quarterback or get close to the quarterback. And you, you have in Houston, you have a core of young players that have the high seed on good night. I'm envious in a lot of ways. Now the next one on the list of, of winners, of course, let's, let's get that one. Joe Flacco does deserve to be comeback player of the year. He came off the couch and did some insane things. In five games, he passed for 1,616 yards, and they made it to the playoffs. I don't think that the Browns should have gotten rid of 
Baker Mayfield, and I think they regret getting Deshaun Watson because they're going to pay for him for another three or four years or take a dead cap hit of a lot of money, so they may not do that. But right now, I would say that you should sign Joe Flacco for another year to be your backup. I don't know if Deshaun Watson will be part of this team, but if he is the starter, wouldn't you like to have a guy who proved that he can still play as your backup? Finally, coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski. I think it should have been D'Amico Ryans, and I think it was one vote that separated them two. I think it should have been D'Amico Ryans. But I want you to listen to this. Kevin Stefanski helped the Browns to an 11-6 and six season. He had five different quarterbacks to start for him. And it says that the Browns set a franchise record for winning with a winning score in the final two minutes of the regu regulation five times. That tells me that there's leadership from the top down. So does Kevin Stefanski deserve this? Yes. I think D'Amico Ryan's deserved it a little more. But Kevin Stefanski, guys in Cleveland, just give him the right quarterback and see what this guy can do. Now, finally, I gave my predictions last week and or last time that we came on about the Super Bowl, and I was wrong, but I picked today that there's a 49ers and Chiefs. I picked the 49ers to win by 10. I think that 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 good, and and I think the Chiefs, if their wide receivers can catch the ball, will make it close. But I don't see that lasting too long in this game. So I picked the 49ers by ten. Again, if you want to come on the Football's Family podcast, just let me know. Give me a message at my Twitter handle at Jeremy underscore McFarland or on the Football's Family podcast Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales Podcast is all about the lesser-known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Grange. But have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? How about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman? These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast, now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintales.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.